Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. All right, Movement Church, I'm so excited about our SHE conference that's coming up. Who's excited? If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard us announcing this, and I just want to tell you, it is time to get your ticket. They are the best price that it is going to be right now, and you need to invite every woman in your world to come and join you. Listen, we've got something amazing planned for all of our girls, 13 to 25, something special specifically for them, and and honestly, you guys, this is going to be something you don't want to miss. Invite everyone you know to be there. Get a ticket. Get it now so that when we get closer to conference, you can get ready to buy some merch. Because let me just tell you, the merch is going to be awesome, and you're not going to want to miss out on getting some. So make sure you grab your ticket, invite your friends. We'll have some brochures outside for you today if you'd like to take them with you. But for those of you who I don't know, my name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, and I are some of the pastors here at the Movement Church, and We're honored to be with you today. We are in week four of our series, Grown Up Faith. And this is a series that is helping answer the big questions of life, right? We are building a solid foundation of faith. And God's heart for us is that we grow up. Look at your neighbor and tell him, grow up. Oh, yeah, that was so quiet. Let's let's be a little more aggressive. Tell him, grow up. Okay, good job. Grow up. Hey, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to what? We're to what? In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. Hey, listen, that's what this series is all about. It's about growing up in our faith. And there's three big picture objectives that we're hoping that you catch a hold of in this series. In fact, I hope you are in a connect group because we're going through this book, Grown Up Faith by Kevin Myers, and we're determined to grow up in our faith. But the three big picture objectives I hope you're catching is number one, that my mind would be rooted in biblical truth that my mind would be rooted in biblical truth. Listen, the Bible tells us that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That means that it will show us the way to go. It will direct the course. It will help us know what steps to take. We also are praying that my heart and your heart will be engaged in spiritual intimacy. That means that this will become more than just religion. But this will become about a relationship, a closeness to the person who is Jesus. And then our goal is that our will will follow in holy obedience. What that means is the Holy Spirit leads and I follow. He leads and I follow. And that is the objective of this series. So can I pray and get us started this morning? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place today. God, I pray that you would help every single one of us who's here. God, to open our ears and our hearts to what you have to say. God, I pray that every single one of us would walk out of this place 
God, just a little bit different. God, I thank you. It's not by accident that any one person is here. And God, I just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had anyone pay your way? I mean for anything, like a coffee or a meal. Have you ever had anybody pay your way? Okay, so the other day, we were about to go on our vacation, and I just decided, I'm a girl, and I don't normally get my hair wet when I swim, but I just knew on vacation, I'm going to go swimming. Like, I'm going to have fun on this vacation. Do any women in the room understand what I'm talking about? Because it is work to do your hair after you swim. And so I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to have to wear makeup on my vacation, and so I am going to get some fake eyelashes put on, because everyone knows you need eyelashes, right? Come on. I have any girls in the room that feel me? Guys, I know you don't understand what I'm talking about, but you appreciate it, okay? And so I just decided I'm going to go get these fake eyelashes put on, and, and so I did. And I went to this lady that a lot of the girls in the church go to, and I had these eyelashes put on, and I'm laying there in the chair talking to her, and I get up at the very end, and I pick up my phone so that I can Venmo her and pay her for her services, and she says to me, oh no, you're covered. And I was like, What? And she goes, you've been taken care of. And I was like, excuse me, what? I was so blown away in that moment. I was so blessed. And here's the thing. I went that day planning to pay her for her services. I planned to pay this woman, but I was so surprised because somebody decided to bless me and to pay my way. I felt so valued in that moment. You know, have you ever had anybody pay your way when you couldn't? You know, when we moved here to start this church, my husband and I, my daughter Brooklyn was seven and my youngest daughter Avery was two and a half and Avery was very active and uh, a social butterfly and she needed a lot of interaction. And so we knew that preschool was the best bet for her if we were gonna get anything done and try to start a church. And so we started looking at preschools all around Orange County and I don't know if you're familiar with preschools in Orange County, but they are very expensive. And so we were like, how are we going to do this? But as an act of faith, we got her signed up for the preschool that, that she, we thought would be best for her. And we're just going, God, how are we going to do this? And we talked to the school and we're like, do you have anything available to help us? And they didn't. But So we're just kind of waiting on the edge of our seat. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to tell my little girl she can't go to school. I don't know what to do. And days before preschool was about to start, I got a call from the lady in the front office. And she says to me, Mrs. Robinson? And I say, yes. And she goes... I just want to let you know that Avery's preschool has been completely covered. Avery got to go to preschool and she got to go because somebody else paid her way when we couldn't. It made such an impact. Now, have you ever had somebody pay your way when you couldn't possibly pay them back? You know, there's an image I'm going to put on the screen of a little boy. His name is Vincent. Cute little smile, isn't it? So this little boy, Vincent, he's about five years old here in this picture, and I think you can kind of tell that he's in the hospital, and he's smiling, so he's good. Um, but why is he in the hospital? 
Well, CNN aired this story a handful of years ago, and, and this little boy, Vincent, and his family, they were on a vacation, and they were in Sequoia National Park, and they were having a great time, and they were outside on this beautiful day, and they were walking along the river, and this is not just an ordinary river, this is a raging whitewater rapids kind of river, and they're walking along the river, and Vincent, this five-year-old, he slipped on the edge of the river and went plunging down into the whitewater rapids. Now, if you're a parent in the room, you understand how terrifying this moment was right here because there actually was no way to get out and everyone knew that Vincent was going to die. And immediately, 22-year-old Victor ripped off his shirt and he jumped into the water. But what you need to know about Victor is Victor couldn't swim. Victor just knew that he had to try to rescue this little boy. So Victor jumps in the water and he grabs a hold of Vincent and Vincent latches his arms onto Victor and they go under the waves and they come up gasping for breath and they go under again and the parents are running alongside of the bank trying to get to their little boy and they couldn't quite get to him and they finally get to this point on the bank of the river where the father's able to get a little bit closer and as he gets a little bit closer, the, the young man Victor lunges Vincent, the five-year-old, into his father's arms right before he disappeared underwater, never to be seen alive again. And two hours later, they found Victor's body. You see, when you see that picture of that little five-year-old, he's there because someone jumped in the river to rescue him. They gave their life. And as he grows up, he's going to discover what it really cost for him to be here. It's amazing. And spiritually and eternally speaking, you guys, this is what Jesus did for us. He jumped in the river to rescue us when we could not rescue ourselves. He gave his life on the cross to pay a debt that we could never pay and to give us new life. And as we talked about last week, he was the sacrifice that allowed us to move from unholy to holy. So listen, Movement Church, we ought to get pretty excited about what Jesus did for our sake, right? I mean, that's the conversation we're going to have today. Jesus paid the price for us to spend eternity in heaven with God and to avoid the penalty of hell. And by the way, can I just tell you that when people say to you, how can a loving God send people to hell? You need to know, he never would. Right. He never would. Right. You can go to hell if you want to, but you're going to have to crawl over Jesus to get there because God loved you so much that he sent Jesus who jumped in the water to rescue you, to pay the way so that we can be restored to a relationship with God. You see, if we get the big picture, it all begins to make sense, doesn't it? In this whole series, we've been exploring the questions that all of humanity is asking. And, and to explore those questions, we have to look at the big, the big picture. Now, one of the things we've been talking about, and you can follow along and read about this in the book Grown Up Faith, is that all of the big questions of humanity can be boiled down into 10 questions. And every one of those questions, listen, is answered in order in the Bible. 
And I'm not going to read through all the questions today. We've been doing that, but the two questions we're going to focus in on today is number one, isn't one way to God narrow-minded? And the next one, what is forgiveness? So see, we've been talking about the fact that the Bible is one story. It's what? One story written in two halves, and it's got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's five major events in the Old Testament, and there's five major events in the New Testament. And they're a mirror image of one another. And here's the thing. They all point to the person of Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus, and the New Testament builds from him. So I'm going to pick up today where we left off last week. And if you missed Pastor Kerry's message last week, I'm only giving you a tiny taste of what he talked about. So you've got to go back and listen to the podcast. But I'm going to try to catch you up to speed. Are you ready? So in the beginning, there was God. And God created us. And God poured his life into us, right? And God is good and he is holy. So he made us holy and it was all good. Everybody look at somebody and say all good, good. right? Then Satan and sin enter the world, poison, okay? We called what God calls poison harmless. And what we did is we chose sin and we contaminated ourselves and we clouded our judgment. And now we look like this before a holy God. And because we look like this, we cost ourselves paradise and we lost the Garden of Eden. And God put an angel with a flaming sword standing guard over the garden. You ready for this? Flaming sword, okay? And now we who are unholy cannot get back to holy. Why? Because the Bible says God is a consuming fire. Listen, the fact is this is who we've become. This is our nature. We've contaminated our soul with sin. And the consequence of sin is death. It's what? Yeah. Right. The consequence of sin is death. And now we make little ones. And we talked about last week. It's not quite as simple as this. <laughs> and we simply transfer our nature, our physical DNA, and our spiritual DNA. Yeah. So now here we are, and we live in sin. And we cannot get back to holy because God is holy, and we cannot bring sin and contaminate holy. We cannot get back to holy because God is a consuming fire. Now, I know you're waiting for me to use the flash paper like Pastor Kerry. You had to be here last week. Sorry, you guys. I'm going to put this out before we set off a fire alarm. Listen, the punishment of sin is death, and a price must be paid. Now, remember, God's ultimate desire is that we be restored to relationship with him. 
And when we look at the five major events of the Old Testament, we see God's plan for this. Listen, God established an old covenant with Abraham. And in that old covenant, he said, I will make you into a great nation. And I will give you a great land. And through you will come a great Messiah. So guess what we're going to talk about today? The great Messiah. Remember the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament turns on Jesus. Everything's pointed to him and now we're going to build upon that. If you're looking in the Bible, you can follow along with me in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 and it says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to marry Joseph, but before they came together, making little ones, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Pause there. That's supernatural. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Supernatural. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. In other words, he's going to jump in the river and rescue us. And that's exactly what the cross did. Now, I know in this room today, we've got people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, and maybe you're here today, and you're wrestling a little bit with your faith and what you believe and I just want to remind you, from week one of this series, we talked about faith. It takes faith to believe anything. Yeah. It takes as much faith to be, as an atheist, to be an atheist as it takes to believe in God. So listen, if you're here and you're wrestling with your faith, permission to belong before you believe. But I just want to challenge you to open your ears and your heart to what God might be saying to you. The scripture continues on in verse 22, and it says, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now watch this. All of the rest of us are born into sin. Into what? Right. Jesus was born of a virgin. Our parents had original sin. It came together in our lives and we have sin. But Jesus was born of a virgin. So what does that mean? Hey, listen, Movement Church, this is theologically significant because Jesus was not born of a regular mom and dad, of an Adam and Eve, so to speak. He was born of a virgin, which means he was without original sin. He was holy and he was pure. In fact, the Bible tells us he never did sin. And there were prophecies that foretold this. In fact, scholars recognize up to 65 prophecies that foretold who Jesus would become. And you can read about that in the Bible, but you can also explore it a little bit more in Kevin Meyer's book, Grown Up Faith. But I want to look at three things that Jesus said about himself. Jesus, when he walked the earth, said three things about himself. He said, one, he was the Messiah. Two, Jesus said he was God. Three, Jesus said he was the only way to God. 
John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And this brings up the question we're talking about today. Isn't that just a little narrow-minded? But what God's doing here is he's answering our questions. He knew that all of humanity would have these questions. And he's answering these questions in order in the Bible. So he knew we were going to ask, isn't one way to God a little narrow-minded? I mean, it seems like there should be more than one way to God, right? But, but no, I don't think he could have been any more clear than that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And if that sounds narrow, you are indeed paying attention. Because even Jesus called the way narrow. He said, wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I love the illustration in Kevin Meyer's book, Grown Up Faith. It says, saying that Jesus is the only way back to God is like saying that gasoline is the only fuel that can power a traditional combustion engine in a car. You see, when you buy a car, the manual says, use approved gasoline. Anybody ever bought a car? I'm not talking about a hybrid. I'm talking like the traditional combustion engine cars, right? And the manual says, use approved gasoline. So that's what we do, right? When we drive to a gas station to fill up, we don't say, I think gasoline is just a little narrow-minded. <laughs> Today, I'm going to fill up with water. We can rationalize that water is a liquid just like gas. We can rationalize that it is personally refreshing. We can rationalize that it is more plentiful than fossil fuels, but, but none of that is going to help us because water isn't going to work. Listen, the issue has nothing to do with being narrow-minded. The issue has everything to do with knowing how engines are made and how they work. They've been designed very specifically for a purpose. And what the Bible's telling us is Jesus is the only way to God. See, God sent Jesus down to bring us up. Jesus paid the price and made the way to make us holy. You see, we talked about last week, a lot of us, we think we can just bring God over to us. Maybe that we can just add a little goodness. It doesn't change it, does it? And we can't bring a holy God over here because God can't do that. He can't be contaminated. And the problem is we can't get to God in our current condition. Why? Because He's a consuming fire. The punishment of sin is death. It's what? And a sacrifice must be made. So God sent Jesus to pay the price and to walk the path that would make us holy. Listen, the standard of God, it doesn't change. God said, be holy as I am holy. But the problem is we, we don't measure up. We don't measure up, do we? We're over here. So how do we move from unholy to holy? 
God's solution in the Old Testament with the Old Covenant was the tabernacle. And we walked through the tabernacle last week. You see, the tabernacle was the plan that God laid out to move us from unholy to holy. And why? Because God actually wants a relationship with his people. It's his heart for us. And here's the thing, Movement Church, we can't make any sense of the New Testament and what God did for us through Jesus until we understand the tabernacle and God's plan for us to move us from unholy to holy, until we understand God's heart for us. John 3.16 unpacks God's heart for us. Many of you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God's heart for us is relationship with us. But the problem is we're separated from God because of sin. Hebrews 9.22 tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. That was true now. It was true then, and it's true now. Hebrews 9.26 says this, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Listen, Jesus walked the path of the tabernacle to move us from unholy to holy. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick look and recap at the tabernacle and how God set up the detailed plans for the tabernacle. And I'm just going to remind you what Pastor Kerry said last week. This might feel a little weird to you, okay? But remember that it was customary for the entire world then. And it's the plan that God established for the old covenant. Now remember, the old covenant points us to Jesus. The new covenant is building on Jesus, so when we look at God's plan for the tabernacle, and Pastor Kerry unpacked this so you can go back and listen. God had this plan for the tabernacle, and he gave this plan to his people to build a place where his presence would reside. And the outer parts of this tabernacle were called the exterior. They were about the quarter size of a football field. There was curtains surrounding it. And at the front, there was a gate. And this is the gate where every family would come. And they would come once a year to make atonement for their sin. And the head of the family would arrive at the gate. And when he arrived at the gate, he would arrive with a lamb. And that lamb had to be spotless. It had to have no blemishes. It had to be completely pure. And when that lamb had been inspected, the head of the family, representing his whole family, would then go through the gate. And he would walk in and slaughter the lamb. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there was no remission for sins. So he would slaughter the lamb, and then he would place it on the brazen altar. And he'd place it on that altar, and, and it would be a sacrifice that was being made, okay? Remember, the penalty of sin is death. Now, here's what we need to understand. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, this sacrifice was temporary. It was temporary, which meant, I have sin. The lamb is covering my sin debt, but I'm going to have to repeat this over and over and over again because I'm going to sin again and again and again. So every year, I'm going to have to show up at this place and pay the price for my sin. We need to understand that the lamb was substitutionary. That meant that the lamb takes my place. The lamb takes my sin. It takes my shame as a substitute. We also need to know that it was atoning. 
Atoning means to make amends or to compensate. Remember, the payment for sin is death, and it must be paid. So atoning is to make amends or to compensate. And this was a sacrifice. The lamb had to die. And then that's as far as I could get to the presence of God. The priest would go forward from there, washing his hands to symbolize forgiveness. The priest could walk into the holy place behind a curtain. And then only the high priest could go into the holy of holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was stored, because only the high priest could go in there. It represented the presence of God. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he was starting his ministry here on earth, and he showed up on the scene while John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan River. He shows up on the scene, and, and John the Baptist looks up, and he sees him. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, he says this, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now listen to me, church. That doesn't even make sense unless you understand the tabernacle. Jesus was literally the Lamb of God. And remember, the lamb had to be spotless. And Jesus was without sin. He was without sin. Hebrews says he was tested and found faultless. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he became our permanent, substitutionary, atoning sacrifice. It's no longer temporary. What that means is when I sin, I am covered by the blood of Jesus once and for all. Once and for all. It doesn't have to be repeated. I don't have to show up at a place year after year trying to atone for my sins. No, Jesus paid the price once and for all. It was permanent. And this all fulfilled the prophecy spoken about him in Isaiah 53 where it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus was our substitute. He took our guilt on himself. He was our atoning sacrifice. He paid our penalty once and for all so that we wouldn't have to. And do you know what else is amazing? When Jesus hung on that cross, it tells us in Matthew 27, verse 50, it says that he cried out in a loud voice and he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. It continues on and says, When the centurion and those who were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified. And they exclaimed, Surely this is the Son of God. You see what Jesus' death did? Was it ushered us in to the holy place, to the holy of holies, before Jesus, in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, only one man could go into the Holy of Holies. Only the priest could represent an entire nation. And it was behind a curtain that was six inches thick. It separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and for me, that curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. 
Jesus paid the price permanently for us. The veil was torn, and that gave us access to God. And now, He is with us. He's with us. 1 Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Put your finger on your heart and say, Me. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. There was once a place called the Holy of Holies where God resided. And only the priest had access to this. But now there's a place in you. You are the temple in which God resides. Everywhere you go, he is with you. You have been made holy and God is in you and with you in a profound way. We're no longer under the old covenant. Now we have this new covenant. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Listen, Jesus made the way. He made the way. He paid my way when I couldn't possibly pay it. He jumped in the river to rescue me and to rescue you. And that's not narrow-minded. That's open-hearted. That's supernatural hero kind of stuff. Listen, when someone tells you, well, here's my plan to get into heaven, and it doesn't involve someone paying the price for sin, which is death, that's false religion. There's only one who could pay the price. Jesus had to be holy so that his death and sacrifice could atone for our sin. He's the only one that could. He's the only one that did. He walked the path to move us from unholy to holy. And that answers that first question. Isn't one way to God a little narrow-minded? Well, it may be narrow, but it sure is open-hearted. And then we dive into that last question in the remaining minutes we have together. Then what is forgiveness? What does it mean to be forgiven? The price that Jesus paid for you and for me means that I can be forgiven. Forgiven and free from sin and shame and death. And we get that. Sin is the decisions that we make, the thoughts that we think that we hope nobody else knows, the choices that we make that we justify and we try to rationalize, and then the shame that's attached to that, that makes us feel like we're not good enough, like we just don't measure up. We understand what that is, and all of that, we understand it leads to death, but forgiveness is saying, I have come to set you free from sin, from shame, and from death. Listen. The problem is, the world says, cheers, be who you are, celebrate who you are, accept me as I am, but it's contaminated. You weren't made for this. You weren't made to do life this way. It's a horrible way to do life. You don't want this. The world also tells us, well then, Hide it. We work real hard on cleaning up the outside of our cup, don't we? Trying to make things look good. But it's still the same on the inside. I don't want to drink this. You don't want to drink this. Then the world will also tell us, well, improve it. Just do a little good. But that's not the answer, is it? God says, don't celebrate it. Don't hide it. Don't try to improve it. Confess it. 
What Jesus did on the cross is he made it possible for you and for me to be made holy. 1 John 1.19 says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has become. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us his wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen, the price that Jesus paid at the cross made it possible for us to receive forgiveness for our sins. And Jesus washes us and makes us new. So that, ready, we can come before God. He washes us. He forgives us. Oop, the price that he paid on the cross, gosh, it cleansed us of all of our sins. So that we can come before God. And he fills us up with the Holy Spirit. So that we can live the life he created us to live. This is it. This is the good news. Jesus made it possible for us to move from unholy to holy. This is the gospel. This is Jesus jumping in the river to save you and to save me. And we can't lose sight of the price that was paid for us. We can't forget what has happened. And when we understand it, when we look at this picture, this plan that God had for all of creation, why? Because he desired relationship with us. Oh my goodness, we begin to appreciate it. We go, Jesus jumped in the river for you and for me. He did it for you and for me. And I don't know where you sit this morning. Maybe you're here and you've had a long-term relationship with Jesus. Maybe today is just a reminder I've been so reminded studying and prepping for this series and just going, God, you did that for me. In every detail. He, he didn't leave one detail uncovered, every detail. He paid a price for you and for me and maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I just think maybe today's your day. He jumped in the river to save us. And I want to take a moment right now and in the quietness of our own seats, I'm going to ask the worship team, they're going to lead us in a last moment of worship. And they're going to kind of lower the lights in this room. And I'm just going to ask everyone here to take a moment personally, not for your neighbor, but for you, to take a moment and reflect on the price that Jesus paid for you. And I'm just going to ask everyone in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. God, today we remember, God, we remember all that you've done for us. 
God, we thank you that you made a plan and a way for us to have relationship with you, that this could be so much more than just walking through the motions of religion, but God, we can be in relationship with you. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to pay the price for us. So God, in this room today, I ask that you would remind us, God, that you would stir up that holy passion, God, that maybe we once had. God, or maybe for those that are here today, that the thing that they need to step into, God, I just pray right now you'd remind us who you are and how much you love us. And I thank you for what you're doing in this place. You know, Movement Church, the scripture tells us so clearly that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And a door is only good for two things for keeping something in, or keeping something out, or letting something in. And I just wanna challenge you. Jesus desires real relationship with you and with me. It's why God did all of this in the first place. But a real relationship requires a choice. And God's not gonna kick down that door. He's come 99 steps towards you and he's just asking you to take one, to open that door to him. The Bible says if you'll open the door, he'll come in. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today's your day. And maybe you're here and you've just been running from God and wrestling with your faith. I'm just saying today's the day to come back. He loves you so much he paid the ultimate price for you and for me and I want to take a moment and pray a prayer with you and if you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus whether for the first time or the first time in a long time I just love for you to pray with me in fact I'm actually gonna ask everyone in the room today this is a little different than normal just to pray out loud with me as I pray this prayer so if everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes nobody looking around the room in a moment, I'm gonna ask everyone to pray out loud, but if you're here and you need to make this decision, you make this the cry of your heart. So everyone say this, say, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for making a way for me to have a relationship with you. Thank you for forgiving me Thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring enough to jump in the river to rescue me. Today I'm making a decision to follow you. And all around this room, everyone's gonna say these words out loud. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Movement Church, look at me for one last moment. I went a little long in service today. But I just feel like we can't get away from the person that is Jesus. The reason we sing songs, in fact, the reason when we worship, we're lifting our hands is because we're going, God, I need you. I am nothing without you. And we recognize how great he is. The price that's been paid for us. 
I hope today you walk away with an understanding that God went to incredible, elaborate detail to make a way for us to have relationship with him. But here's the thing, it can't stop here. It can't stop here. That last scripture we read said, you are Christ's ambassadors. The message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it lives in you. It's in you. And we have a responsibility to do something with that. We have a responsibility to share the good news, the hope that is found in Jesus. So I just want to challenge you, don't be silent. Be bold. Be full of faith. Share your story, the story of how Jesus jumped in the river to rescue you. Because that's your story, and it matters. And as a church, we're going to a third service to make room for more people who need to know the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Amen? So can I just as a pastor tell you something for a minute? Please don't sit back in your comfortable chair and just sit there. It's time for us to get moving. It's time for us to be a mobilized church. It's time for us to step up and take our place so that we can create space for the people who need to know Jesus. We have a responsibility. So if you're here today and you haven't been through next steps, you go to next steps. You find out what you need to know, what your next step looks like. If you're not on the dream team, quit waiting around. Jump on the dream team. You've not lived till you've been a part of a group of people making a difference. If you are, let's continue to link arms. Let's continue to move forward till all of Orange County has heard the hope that is found in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us one more time. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this room. You are a good God. You are faithful. Fill us with boldness and faith this week as we share our stories. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.